Greetings, I'm John. And I'm Brandy. And you are listening to For Better or For Fuck. This is a podcast about our journey into self-awareness, the commitments that we make to ourselves first, and how we love those around us. We are life partners, creatives, parents, and most importantly, friends. During our time together, we will deep dive into humaning while being with other humans. And what it means to thrive and tend to our mental health and do the work. For better or for fucked. Oh my gosh. Okay. Welcome back to <laughs> That's John's iced coffee. I love how we provide a little bit of ASMR. Mm-hmm. JSMR for me. JSMR, which is his iced coffee. Oh my gosh. Well, this is episode two of For Better or For Fucked. They don't know it's iced coffee. It's iced coffee. <laughs> sure it is. Oh my gosh. Um, how are you? I'm great. It's been a while. It has not been a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's just since last week's episode. So right. there we go. Um, so I guess we'll get started. Like I said, this uh, podcast is a podcast about the marriage and the agreements that we make to ourselves first. So that way we can be better for ourselves first and then for those who we love. And so we're super excited about this week's podcast subject matter. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you want to do the trigger warning situation? Trigger warning. Uh, if you are sensitive on the subjects of trauma and things of the sort, please note uh, we will be diving deep uh, into some of those things and uh, feel free to pause us if you need to and uh, come back if you feel like it. And if you don't, then uh, hopefully we'll see you sooner than later. But be aware, we're going to get into it. Get into it! All right, so I'm going to do the trigger warning. That was awesome. Everybody, first we want to give a trigger warning before we get into this subject matter. This week is all about, again, the T word, trauma. Um, because that is really, like John so eloquently said last week, the foundation of how you see the world, how you navigate the world, the lens in which you navigate the world is from that place. And if unresolved, then it can play out in a lot of different ways. So uh, this week is about my story a bit. Um, but first, we want to check in because checking in is kind of a big deal and just ask. How are you? During our time together, feel free to take notes so that you can reference back after this podcast episode. Feel free to take a break, stand up, and ground down. Here's to the journey ahead. All right, so we're back. You know, last week we went into a bit of John's story, um, how it his trauma played out into behaviors, which then uh, impacted his life, which then impacted our life, which then impacted 
our decision to even get on this journey of of healing and self-awareness. Similar to John, you know, I grew up seeing a lot of things. Some things that I saw I should never have seen and some things I saw I can never unsee. It's interesting because some things I think I saw growing up, things I don't even remember, but I know have impacted the way in which I view the world. And I've had to do some deep work in unlearning because of the things that I saw. I grew up in a household that, you know, my mom was one of the most light-filled, loving people you'll ever meet. Fine, too. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. She was... batting. Wow. Okay. Absolutely beautiful. She married my uh, biological dad who grew up with a mother that really wasn't present. And so he was raised by his father and his grandmother. And the home life was just not really, from what I know, something went devastatingly wrong. And, um, you know, I have three boys and they love me and I love them. From what I've heard, the rejection that my father experienced really impacted him. And and knowing what I know now, it really impacted the way he saw the world, how he viewed women, so on and so forth. And he was really violent. He really was. He was really violent. And my mom, she was just this person that was full of light, had me really young. She was 19 years old when she had me. And yeah, she had to learn a lot along the way. You know, as she was learning herself, she was learning being a mother as well. And so her motherhood changed as she got older. But I have to say, you know, she did the best that she knew how to do. And her best was pretty damn good, to be honest. With that, I saw a lot of things. I grew up seeing violence. My biological dad was very abusive toward my mother. I really believe that he had an undiagnosed mental illness, to be honest. And back then, nobody really addressed that. They just called you crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think being called crazy and not really having a footing of what is going on, he would self-medicate. So that meant hardcore drugs. That meant, you know, anything he could get his hands on, alcohol, whatever, just to cope. And so you have these two people, you know, my mom would suffer at the hands of my father. And, you know, don't get me wrong. She would fight back. She would fight back. But it was not healthy and she was being abused. And even though the strong woman, you know, she was a strong, strong, strong woman, she was still being abused. And I saw that. I saw that growing up. I saw violence growing up. And because of that, that really affected the way in which I moved through the world. A lot of times people say, you know, when a person sees that kind of violence growing up, you end up marrying an abuser. Uh, For me, that was, you know, I stayed away from that red flag. I didn't do that. You know, I've never been in an abusive relationship, a physically abusive relationship like that. And so I stayed away from that. We spoke about that last episode, too, about the effects of uh, trauma and how some people uh, cozy up to yeah, uh, things like that that they go through, you know, right? And there, then there are people that literally will run the opposite way so fervently, trying to keep themselves safe from anything that can be similar or remind them or trigger them of of what they experienced. Exactly, and I think for me that was my experience. Whereas John, he would cozy up to his trauma because he saw danger 
or sometimes put in risky situations as a young person or experienced it as a young person, he would cozy up with that. I, on the other hand, because I saw violence, because I saw uh, anger, because I saw uh, what hurting people felt like, I cozied up with the opposite. So what that looked like for me was I hate feelings of anger. I hated it. Don't like it. Didn't like it. Right. So what I would do, I would suppress anger. I would just go into, I'm fine. I'm okay. Or I would stonewall and just, I'm okay. I'm totally fine. Even though, no, actually that doesn't make me feel good. I don't like that. (laughs) And being uh, okay enough with saying that. Um, Another thing was, you know, because I saw people hurting people growing up, I never wanted to be the person to hurt anyone. So what I would do, I would go, I went the opposite. Whereas John, he would cozy up with the like behavior that he saw. I would cozy up with the opposite. So I would be hyper vigilant about not hurting someone. I would be hyper vigilant about making sure I said the right thing the right way so I don't offend anyone. I would be hyper vigilant on overthinking, making sure, did I say that right? I hope I didn't hurt their feelings. I hope I didn't hurt them. I hope I didn't hurt them. I hope I didn't hurt them. I hope I didn't hurt them, right? When really it's just me telling my truth. So that was the way I would deal with it. Um, Another way I would deal with it is by over, I would overextend myself. For example, if someone would ask me to do something or ask if I could do something, I didn't want to hurt them. I didn't want to inconvenience them. Or let them down. Or let them down. So I would overextend myself. And, And really, you know, it was coming from a place of, trauma. Um, When everything hit the fan for us in 2020, I went on my path of therapy as well. And one of the things that my therapist brought up was, you know, in regards to John's behavior and those who are around him, their behavior, I would say, I would never do that. I would never do that. I can't believe they would. I would never do that. And my therapist brought up something so profound. And I was like, well, 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 damn, Shirley, her name is Shirley. She said, well, of course you wouldn't do that because of your trauma. And I was like, well, what do you mean, Shirley? And she said, well, because you saw hurt growing up, where some people cozy up to it, you would go the the other way and say, I would never want to be the reason for someone hurting. So yeah, you wouldn't do X, Y, and Z, but let's acknowledge the reason why you wouldn't do X, Y, and Z. You wouldn't do X, Y, and Z because yeah, you're a good person. But you also want to do X, Y, and Z because of your trauma. Your trauma won't let you do that. Like you literally, you can't, you just can't. And I was like, well, wow. And just hearing that really helped me to have a little bit of sympathy, empathy for myself. And then also it really sent me also on a deep dive into childhood brandy. And I've said before, Part of this work is healing your childhood trauma. When you heal our childhood trauma, we heal ourselves. When we check in with ourselves as a child and what's coming up as a child, that part in us that is the child that's hurt and wounded and unresolved, we heal so much.
John and I made a pact, like we were navigating stuff and going through it. And I was sharing with him how there were certain people within his dysfunction that represented more than his dysfunction. They represented all the times that I had been violated as a young child, all the times that I was not protected as a young child. And the reason why I just could not let that go or let that breathe or let that heal was because I was trying to fight for child Brandy. That child Brandy didn't have a voice then. She didn't have the voice to say, no, that's not okay. So I'm making sure that I'm protecting her now, right? And I don't know if you remember this, but we had this epiphany about meeting each other where we are as that child, allowing ourselves to speak to that child. So with John, your childhood trauma, seeing this boy who's working out his child trauma, and then John seeing this girl, me, working out my childhood trauma um, would prove to be very healing for both of us because we have to acknowledge that. And I think so many of us as adults, we are literally just these children walking around. It's past, Yeah, it is part of who we are. Yeah, and if we don't resolve it, we're literally these these grown-ass adults. Stunted. Right. Literally these grown-ass adults who are making these decisions from childhood wounds. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They don't know why that hurts a certain way when that's said to them. And I, and I would encourage everyone who's hearing this to really be curious about it. My therapist always says, be curious, be curious. I'm like, I get it now. Be curious about it. When things feel triggering, when things come up, be curious about, is this connected to my child self, that unresolved self? Or is this something that's now? And what is it? What is it? And why? The why. And why? Why? Because when we do that, I think we we heal so much in doing that. And so one of the things that I, I felt was during this, during therapy, why? The why? Why I would feel so afraid to share how I really felt about things. It wasn't just a thing of well, I'm just a a nice person or, oh, I'm just a accommodating person. No, or I'm kind. It literally is trauma. Child Brandy saw hurt as a child and she made somewhere along the way, she made the resolution that she never wants to cause hurt. So because she never wants to cause hurt, she's going to be hypervigilant about making sure that she doesn't hurt anyone, even if it's telling her truth. And so that really set me on a road of rediscovering that and really being curious about that and knowing that trauma and triggers, triggers are not a bad thing. The result of your brain keeping you safe. Absolutely. If, uh, if someone's mugged on the corner of first and second, no matter what aesthetically is on the corner of first and second. I don't care if there was a Walgreens when the mugging happened. They, you could build an airport there. There's a good chance that that person may be uncomfortable. They may not ever fly out of the airport because that trauma really triggered some things and changed some things within their brain to where their brain is saying, okay, mm-hmm. last time we were here, we were mugged. Even though there's an airport there, they're still not going to do it. And a lot of people, these type of things 
they they don't even recognize within themselves. They just kind of navigate and just they just mm-hmm. you know they don't even know or realize the trauma that they you know why they feel the way they do. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. I would I would see these things like certain things would be triggers for me, and I would then go into this hyper vigilant state of okay, I got to make sure I, I, I didn't hurt anyone. I got to make sure, da, 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 da. I got to make sure I wasn't misunderstood. I got to make sure all these different things. And I finally have come to a place where I know that now when that happens, it's just my brain keeping me safe. And so how do we deal with that, right? How do we tell our brains when triggers happen that you are safe? What do we do? How do we do that? Because it happens. So say, for example, if you are sitting there folding clothes and you, you and your partner or you and your, your, your child or you and your sibling or you and whoever or friend are talking about something and something comes up for you and something triggers you. And you don't know why you feel the way you feel, but you feel anger or you feel sad or you feel anxious, anxiety. One of the things that I used to do was shut that down and just move through it. Now I've learned to stop and acknowledge it, touch it, see what's happening, what's coming up for me. And then while doing that, be curious about it. Realize that again, it's your, it's your brain. It's your brain keeping you safe saying, hey, so when we were here last time, this happened. Doesn't that sound like a friend, like a really good friend reminding you of something, like just reminding you to keep you safe. And how cool would it be if we looked at our triggers as that, as they're just friends. They're just our friends keeping us safe. We need that trigger feature in our brain. Because think about it. How weird would it be if, okay, you are walking and there's, you know, you had an event that happened in this corner, on this corner, and you just walk by it the next day and you don't feel nothing. That is someone who is disconnected. You know, you take someone who, you know, burned themselves Mm-hmm. You know, taking something out of the oven. Guess what? They're going to be a little more careful next Oh my time. gosh, they're going to be so careful. From then on, they're going to be like, okay, let me put on an oven mitt. Let me do this. Let me, let me make the door open a little wider before I put my hand in. So a trigger feature is not a bad thing. I think we look at triggers as if they're bad. They are not bad. They are our reminders that, hey, so this happened before. What are we going to do? Is there a way to describe triggers in a way for for people that may not even be familiar with the term trigger. Because triggers is very much a term for people, I think, that are accustomed to going to therapy and things like that. That's a good question. Because there are a lot of people that are triggered, but they're not even aware of that term. They don't even have that kind of vocabulary. So I, because I'm visual, I think of dominoes. Mm -hmm. Pizza? Not the pizza. Not the pizza. Um, But dominoes like the game of dominoes, like how one falls over and then the other one and then the other one and the other, and eventually they've all knocked over. I look at triggers like that, but it's kind of a little more abbreviated. So instead of it being like so fast and it being like one and like this, the rest of them, it's really like one domino falls over and then another and then another and then another. It's almost like as if dominoes were put in slow motion. That's the way I look at it. It's like a cause and effect. It's like a, if we were a robot, you know, you have a switch on a robot and you click this switch and that triggers, you know, it hits the one part of the robot that then hits the other part of the robot that makes them raise their arm 
or make you coffee or something. That's what I look at them as. And I think triggers, if you look at it like the domino, it actually keeps you safe because say, for example, I am sitting here and and if John says something and then it triggers me, okay, that's the first domino that falls over. And then say, for example, I don't become curious about what's coming up. I ignore it. And he goes and he says something else. Then another domino falls over. And then say, for example, I ignore it again. And I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then he just keeps going on and on about this thing. And I don't say anything because I'm tuning out from what's happening internally here. Then another domino. And before I know it, an entire thing of dominoes have fallen over now. And I am, in the words of our therapist, I am flooded. I am flooded with emotions. I am overwhelmed. And then what do you do with that? Some people either A, get angry and they get, ah, they're loud. And then some people stay stonewall. So they just shut down. And I like to call it turtling. There's this thing that I would do where it's like a turtle. And I will say this. I think a lot of people do what you're about Mm -hmm. to talk about. Yeah. Turtling. It's where you think of like a turtle. What do turtles have? They have a shell. So what they do, they go right back in their shell. (laughs) Let's let's give them an example. Hey, hey, babe, how you doing? I'm good. That's turtling. That's turtling. (laughs) Or if they say, (laughs) fine. And you're clearly not fine. (laughs) Clearly, because when was last time you said, I'm fine? And And you were fine. (laughs) Can I I interject something really quick in that that regard? Um, For anyone who uh, encounters someone who is turtling, who you may recognize, that, okay, this person's not fine, although they say that they're fine, understand that it is not your responsibility to verbalize what is going on with that person. Allow mm. that person space to communicate what they're feeling. Yes. You know, because what typically happens is we want to fix it. We mm-hmm. want people to be all right. You know, you, you inquire, are you sure you good? What's going on, man? You could tell me. You could, you could talk to me. It's fine. You could. Oh, that's a lot. Like, how about this? Trust that this human being that you're dealing with actually has the ability to communicate everything that they want to say. And check this out. If they if for whatever reason they are not at a place to communicate on that kind of a level as as far as depth goes within themselves, then that's obviously work that they're going to have to do on their own. But they're not going to learn that from you. Mm -mm. That's their own journey. You know, yeah. Whatever they're feeling, the reason why they're turtling has nothing necessarily to do with you. Yeah, it's sometimes a lot of times past traumas and how they have internalized those traumas. And and I'll give an example. You know, I was talking to my therapist about 2020 and how John and I have navigated and how our relationship is probably the best it has ever been, like ever. And I think of, you know, she said, turtling was my way of keeping myself safe. So not only was I accommodating, not only was I overly kind, not only was I was I wanted to make sure I wasn't hurting anyone, but if by chance something triggered me, I would turtle and I would go inward and I would do that to keep myself safe. Because if I can put myself in this little shell, then I could somewhat maintain some kind of control of the situation. And when you have experienced trauma as a child, control is everything. For you, if you can control your surroundings, your environment as an adult, that is a big deal for you because you have spent so when you see violence growing up as a kid, so much of what you're seeing is so out of your control. 
And so the thought of anything being outside of your control is scary. So what can you control? You can control yourself. You can control what you see. You can control who you let love you. You can control who you love. All those things, right? So for me, I would just go in my shell and shut down. Shell. Turtle. And and to be clear, taking an intentional moment for yourself to figure some things out and turtling are two different things. Yes, they are. Those yeah. totally different things. Yeah. So taking an intentional moment is you being aware of everything you're feeling and you're just needing the process for a moment and being able to communicate that to someone at a time. Say, hey, you know what? Give me about five minutes, 10 minutes, or I need to go take a run or drive. And I promise you, I'll be back. I just need to dig through some stuff. I love you or I like you or I don't like you, whatever you got to say to the person and keep it moving. But turtling, obviously, is when you are, in a sense, self-prohibiting yourself from being able to navigate a moment mm-hmm. like out of fear. Like you just shut down. And that's what I would do. I would just shut down. And I remember sharing with my therapist that, and she said, you know, she said, you deserve to enjoy what you are experiencing right now. The work that you and your partner are putting into, into yourselves as individuals, the manifestation of that, you deserve to feel that. And if you are continually holding on to trauma that doesn't even involve John, but trauma way before John even, and then you're holding on to this as well, then there's no way that you can really enjoy what you guys have worked so hard for. There's no way that you as an individual can enjoy what you've worked so hard for. And it will prohibit you from enjoying it. And she said something, you know, because I said, well, how do I know I can, I can actually trust? How do I know that I can proceed forward and I won't be hurt? Or how can I proceed forward and not be betrayed again? And that was also why I was turtling too. You know, she said, you don't know. And this is where mindfulness comes into play. The mindfulness, you know, we use that word a lot. We throw that out. Oh, being mindful, practicing mindfulness. And I think a lot of us don't really know what that even means. I didn't even know what it meant. I think a lot of us think of it as mindfulness as in a practice of like yoga or mindfulness as in a practice of, man- of a, a meditation. But really mindfulness is just being mindful of the here and now and what is happening here and now. Here and now. Reality, right? Now, here and now. And it doesn't, I'll say this, it doesn't negate what happened. No. And the reality of what happened. But what it says is, where are you right now? Where are you right now? In this moment, not a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, right now. Where are you right now? Where is John right now? And her saying that, that I deserve to live in the fruits of the here and now, for me, really helped me to really grab a hold of what's important right now and really embrace the work that we have done. And I said this in the other episode, us being together was never, I didn't, I didn't know if that was gonna work out or not. I'm just, like I said, we gonna be honest. We, we know. However, I knew 
that regardless of what happened, just how John knew, regardless of what happened, he had to get his stuff together for himself. Absolutely. Because he was still going to be left with himself. And no matter what. No matter what. I knew that I had to heal. I knew I had to heal. I knew it. Whether I moved on with John or without him, I knew that I was going to have to heal. Whether I moved on with Idris Elba <laughs> or... Why you laugh? <laughs> I was coughing. Okay, girl. Um, I knew that I was going to have to heal with John, without John, with Idris, without Idris, with myself. You know, I because I was going to be left with myself either way. So that became what was important to me. Healing myself, my two words, self. Healing little girl Brandy from past traumas, the things that she had seen, trust issues from what she had seen, trusting people. I didn't realize how hard it was for me to trust people, how hard it was to really just trust people. I'm not talking about men. I'm not even talking about women. People. Yo, if you cross Brandy in any kind of way. Just oh, you that. were done. Like before, like if you cross me. You got like, one time. <laughs> you have one time. And actually, if you have one time, consider yourself lucky that you had that time. And that might sound really confusing to some of y'all because y'all are like, oh my gosh, but she's so joyful. I don't understand. Like, she's so like welcoming. How can she not trust people? Easy, because trauma. Yeah, one time. A lot of trauma. People, a lot of people say that, but they don't mean it. Like trauma. And the cool thing is now, this is where it worked out for people though, is that because of my trauma, People had one time. I barely trusted folks. But two, because of my trauma, I was always going to be nice about it. And I was always going to be kind about it because I don't want to hurt anyone because I saw hurt growing up. So I never wanted to be the cause of hurt. So lucky for people, trauma and didn't come out like I don't trust people. Get away. Like it didn't come off like that. It came off like this inner dialogue that no one knew. I don't trust this person. I don't trust that person. I don't trust them. I don't trust them. them. So if I trusted you, that was a big deal. I remember you had an epiphany in regards to uh, perspectives. And, And I remember thinking you speaking that way was, was different in this sense than anywhere I've ever heard you speak as it pertains to your perception and being aware of the perception of others. That was so huge. I'm curious, how how did you, you know, how did you arrive at that? Because I know clearly there's, you know, what I like to look at it as there's reality and then there's our perspective. Our perspective is our perspective. Our perspective is not necessarily reality. It's our reality particularly with people that have been through certain traumas, then their perspective is based on that trauma, which can be considerably different than the reality of what actually happened. And is happening. I mean, how did you connect the dots to get to that point? Because that's so huge. Well, I thought of it this way. So I remember I I heard this teacher saying, we we are only seeing 50% of of a situation. Mm. And it's our 50%. Right. It's our 50%. So, Or if it's five people in the room, then it's 20%. That's too much math. 
<laughs> Too much math. Um, but I'm only seeing my part of it. And I'm seeing it from my perspective. And if we zero in on that perspective, not to say it doesn't have some points to it. Yeah. And some some jewels to it and some gems to it. It also is rooted within my experience. It is rooted within my story. Your bias. My bias, my trauma, my triumphs, mm-hmm. my joys, all of it. It's rooted in that, as is everyone's. So when we look at it like that, for me, it really allowed me to have a little bit of empathy for others that they also are seeing things from their perspective. And that they are seeing it from their triumphs and trauma and joys and experience and bias and all these things. And it only changes. It only becomes a healthy situation of dialogue, of health and wholeness when we can actually look at it that way, that there might be a whole nother and that is bad grammar, but it's our podcast so I can do whatever I want. But it may be a whole nother 50% that I'm not even considering. Or 20%. Too much math. (laughs) Told you, John. (laughs) It might be a whole nother 50% that I'm not even considering because how could I consider? It wasn't until my mother passed away that I could have empathy toward folks who have lost parents. But it wasn't until my own mother passed away that I had the experience and the wherewithal and the perception of when someone says they lost a parent, what they're really saying and where they're really coming from. And so for me, it was just, for me, it was groundbreaking. Like, you know, it allowed me to one, hold empathy. So it got rid of that whole thing of, man, you crossed me once you finished or are you done? Like, I don't want to talk to you no more. Say, for example, that person wants to right a wrong. They approach, they come back into the picture and they want to right a wrong. Or say, for example, they just want to talk or whatever. It really helped me to really put things into some perspective. Like, one, what is this person trying to say? Two, I'm not going into it the same way this time. I'm going into it my eyes wide open. Three, say, for example, this person missed it. They missed it. They dropped the ball. They crapped the bed. And they're really trying to repair their wrong. Wouldn't I want the same grace if I missed it? It it just made me think like, Again, perception. And now there are other things where, say, for example, someone says, hey, I really want to talk about X, Y and Z. And say, for example, they come in with some some bull. Then you're like, "Okay, I'm coming in with this wide eyes wide open. Yeah, that still doesn't feel right for me. And then you say your piece and you move on. Right. I think there is such freedom in operating from a place of, "Okay, you know, I got 50 percent of the perception here. I'm interested to see and hearing what else is happening or you know what? My 50% says that this is some bull. I don't really feel comfortable proceeding with it, but I wish them well. I hope they they figure out what they're trying to figure out. I really do. And and coming from that place as opposed to a place, uh, and, and that to me is a lot more, um, it's a little bit more intentional as opposed to operating out of just 
pure emotion and pure like trauma and experience. And it's more so from an intentional place of, okay, I've thought about it. And yeah, it still doesn't sit right with me. So I, I'm going to wish them well or, or not, whatever. Um, but I'm going to go about my way on this one. And I think when we can get to a place of checking in with ourselves and healing that childhood trauma and kind of lowering the amount of things and decisions that are made from that place, the healthier we are. Yeah, I, I really do believe that if more people could grab that nugget, right, that that's such a big nugget because their lives would be a lot lighter mm-hmm. being a lot more kinder to themselves. Yes. Because I really do believe that very few people really want to hurt someone else. Mm-mm. You know, I mean, obviously there are parts of the world and there are situations where there are people that really want to hurt someone. But let's just be real, y'all. Um, most of y'all that are listening to this are not in that category. Yeah. Most, most of y'all don't have a legitimate fear of someone really trying to come for you guys and really try to hurt you. So if you keep that in mind, if you if you think about that, then you are aware that someone's words and actions could just be based on their perspective. Mm. And you could be triggered or you could feel a, a lot about what they said. Mm-hmm. But you could also be aware to say, hey, you know what? They're saying X, Y, and Z. They're doing X, Y, and Z based on their life experience. And more than likely, they're not intentionally trying to harm me. Another thing that I've been getting out of therapy is how often, because of my childhood trauma, I was always in fear of someone hurting me. Like before I met you, before I met anybody, I was in this fear of, are they going to hurt me? So what would I do? I would turtle because that's what turtles do when they are in fear, when they are scared, they go in their shell because their shell is harder. They can protect them. That was something that I would do. I remember you and I were talking about a a movie, Malcolm and Marie. Mm, That's right. And we got into this conversation about trauma and how they were both kind of messed up and how, you know, Malcolm's an abuser and how Marie, you know, she has her own stuff going on. And then our child tried to jump off the uh, arm of the chair. And then I saw one thing, you said you saw another and we both saw the same thing, but Again, perception, you know, moms, we see before things go down. Now, what we just do, we we do. We see before things go down. Dads, I love y'all, but y'all's go to is he all right. 
Now, without ruining the movie for anyone, because you, you should see it, it's, it's, it really is a beautiful film. What stood out to you was the struggle that the woman was going through. And you were almost looking at it from a standpoint as the male character being a bit of an antagonist. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because um, I looked at it as two people throwing their trauma at each other. Yeah. Throwing the result of their trauma at each other. And you looked at it as this man throwing his trauma at this woman. And, and the truth is, looking back, it was both. Absolutely. It was it, absolutely it was both. Tossing it back and forth. It was both, you know, like... We got into that conversation. I was feeling activated from that conversation. I was feeling activated from the fact that this man just told me that my kid's going to be all right. And I just told him he almost went backwards because I'm a mom and I know how this is going to play out. I don't want to go to the hospital during a pandemic, whatever. And so it made me feel some kind of way and I felt overwhelmed. And so I turtled. I turtled. I went inward and I turtled. And... In that turtling, he could obviously, John could pick up, you could pick up that something just happened. She just got triggered by something. What's happening here? Absolutely. And I want to also just add this really fast. For anyone that may be experiencing something or you may be witnessing someone having a, a hard moment or a trigger. And clearly, like I mentioned earlier, it's not for you to fix. However, it is a great moment for you to just communicate to that person. I noticed that in the moment you're feeling a lot and I just want to let you know that I am here present for you. However you need me to be, whatever that looks like, just let me know. And I'm here. Yeah. And and you could just leave that at that. Absolutely. And it was interesting because, so as I'm turtling, he says that and he goes in in the kitchen and makes some, some kind of food because he's always making food. And you know, it's hungry boys. Yeah. Cause they're always hungry. <laughs> always like I'm, yeah, it's a miracle that no one has come into this room to ask for something. Um, and so I started to cry because I was like, okay, you know, what's coming up for me? What's coming up for me? And it was, I couldn't even really put my finger on all of it. And that's okay. That's another thing I, I, I love to tell people is that you may not be able to under, be able to put your finger on, okay, well, this is what I feel. You may not. But one thing that did come up was the amount of times that I was afraid of being hurt and that this person is going to hurt me. That person is going to hurt me. And so what I did from there, I sat there and I said, okay, is John trying to hurt me by saying that, they are two people who are really have their own trauma. They're just throwing their trauma around at each other. And it's a really interesting movie. It's weird. Or is he trying to also hurt me by saying, oh, he's going to be all right with Jupiter. Granted, Jupiter did not fall, but he, he, I, is he trying to hurt me when he says that? And of course the answer is no, he's not. He's not. He's sharing his opinion on the movie. Cause we're talking about a movie. He's sharing his opinion about our child. Cause we're talking about our child. Is he trying to hurt me? No. Am I safe? Yes. And in answering that question, it made me weep because it made me think about how many times I have turtled and wrapped myself up in my blanket of past traumas, past hurts, out of protection, out of need for protection, right? Because what we don't get as kids, we get as adults. We try to create as adults. And so 
what I did, I, I, I remember thinking, okay, he's not trying to hurt me. I am safe. We're talking about a movie. We're talking about our kid. And you begin to look around the room because that's also how trauma plays out. Trauma will have you in a continuum time loop. I said that on IG a couple of weeks ago. It will have you in a continuum time loop, reliving the same situation in different rooms, in different places. And so it was really beautiful because in that moment, I began to look around, reintroduce myself to the room, look at my plants, look at my feet, look at the couch, look at this beautiful specimen of a man next to me. Okay. What was that? Look at my child. Look around and see that I am safe. No one is trying to hurt me. And I began to weep because I believe in that moment I was able to break through. I don't know if you all, if some of you may not be old enough to remember this show, but Quantum Leap. But I feel like, you know, Quantum Leap was about this character that would quantum leap through all these different time stamps and time scenarios. And and trauma will kind of have you doing that. It'll have you leaping around all these different time places and time loops. And yet you're the same person, but it's different scenarios. And so in that moment, I was able to look at look around and reacclimate myself to the room. And say, you are safe. No one's trying to hurt you. You are here in this space with this person. And this person that you're sitting next to is not the same person he was last year. Even when he was trying, even when he was in his dysfunction and knee deep in unresolved trauma and unresolved stuff, he wasn't even trying to hurt me then. He wasn't even trying to hurt me then. So it helped me to just really Think about where I am, what's happening right now. And that is mindfulness. What happens when we never resolve our trauma? We don't even acknowledge it. We don't see it. It's like quantum leap. That's exactly what it is. It's different time scenarios, same person. You're taking all this different stuff into different places. And... I guess what I'm saying in this episode for me, part of my work was learning that I deserve to live in the here and now. I deserve to feel the wind of all the good that we are manifesting. (laughs) I deserve to feel the breath of all the joy that we are creating. I deserve to walk alongside a person, this man that has done some deep work, work that many folks don't do. I deserve to walk along myself (laughs) doing the work that most of us don't do and enjoy it. When we turtle, when we don't practice mindfulness of the here and now, even if we are doing the work, no one wins. But more importantly, the person loses. Absolutely. You rob yourself of the, the, the benefits of what you're doing. You're limiting yourself. Yes. And you rob yourself of the benefits. Like you don't, you don't get to experience it. And for me, what my therapist said really just resonated. She said, you deserve to walk in the manifestation of the hard work you guys are putting in. 
it's safe. Come out of the cocoon, unturtle, continue to deal with the trauma, continue to talk to child Brandy, let her know that she's safe. And I guess for me, I would encourage everyone who's listening to this episode, do the same. We all have trauma. We all have things that we have experienced and seen. Be curious. Be curious about it. Touch it. Ask yourself, where does it hurt? And really allow yourself to go there. And when you begin to do the work, remind yourself, talk to your child, your childhood self, and tell them that you are safe. You are safe. And if you don't have a therapist, get one. Oh, my gosh. There's no better investment than the investment into yourself. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And we're going to we're going to be talking about that, too, a lot. I mean, we're going to be talking about that throughout the podcast when you say I mean, that's, that's a big part. that's like the benchmark, the journey into self-awareness, like being, you know, being aware and learning, learning about all of yourself, all of yourself, past, present. And that will all affect your future. Absolutely. Because here's the thing. I will say this, and I'm not sure if we said this before. We are not therapists. No. We're just two people that are doing the work. But we would encourage anyone who's listening to this, find yourself a therapist. Find yourself a therapist. Get into it. If you can, get into it. Because it's the unearthing that sets us free. So that's my story on trauma, how it affected my uh, want to do this podcast. Um, I think we should leave them with their journaling question this week. Hmm. What's our journaling question, John, for this week? Last week, our, our journaling question was, what would you like the marriage to yourself to look like? What would you want the marriage of, to yourself to look like? Um, I have a question. What is the journaling question this week, John? What does the marriage to yourself look like currently? That's a good one. That's a really good one. Because before we can get to what you want it to look like, you have to, you should address what does it actually look like. Absolutely. I have one. Maybe they can do both. Double homework. Go for it. So if you if you did your journaling question last week, it was what would you like your marriage to yourself to look like? Add in what does it currently look like? Another one, a bonus question, because you know, sometimes you have those bonus questions, Mm -hmm. you get extra points. What would you tell your child self? Hmm. That's a good one. We talk about our child self. I I talked about that a lot this episode. But what would you tell your child self this week? Write a love letter to, to them. Share with them what you want them to know. Yeah, that's it. Here we go. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, yeah, be light, be love, and love yourself. What he said. <laughs> <laughs>